Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is up, Packers Nation? This is Brandon Carwell along with Gage Bridgeford bringing you Dairyland Talk. We have a few things we want to cover today. Um, but for starters, uh, Gage, how are you doing and how is your... Uh, February been so far? Um, it's not been too bad. Uh, I, for those that don't know, I just started writing for uh, another site with Fanside. It's called NFL Spin Zone. You can find me covering Packers, Colts, and then oddly enough, Bears over there. Uh, just they gave me a few options, so I chose those. Um, just been I've been writing a lot, been trying to keep busy, keep trying to keep up with all the Packer news, which is little easier right now because it's kind of a slow season, but I've also been doing a lot of film film work for the uh, draft and because Combine's coming up. Um, for those that don't know, uh, I live in Indiana, and I live pretty close to Indianapolis, and so I know that the Combine's been down here a few years, so I might try and go uh, either this year or next year. So so, that, so that's been what's been going on with me. Brandon, I know you covered the uh, covered the podcast a couple weeks ago by yourself, flew solo when the rest of us were busy, so thank you for that. Yeah, that was interesting experience. I also pretty much just talked about the draft, and uh, the Packers had recently hired their special teams coach, uh, Sean Menenga. Um, had you heard anything about him, Gage, or wanted to comment on that hiring before we get started? Um, I hadn't heard a whole lot about him. Uh, I looked into it a little bit. Uh, I I listened to everything that you uh, kind of said on last week's pod. thought you did a great job covering it. Uh, I know it's not easy to talk to yourself for 20 or 30 <laughs> minutes at a time. So, But uh, I'm just – as long as he's an upgrade over Ron Zook, I I have no complaints over it. So, Yeah, it's, it's really hard to not outdo what Zook did in his three seasons. Just really, really lackluster – special teams group for the past few years, particularly last year, you know, that even led to the Packers losing some games. Um, so it's, 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 it was a necessary move and Menanga has experience in the NFL. He was assistant for the Browns um, while Josh Cribbs was around. So that was one of their few pro bowlers from those years uh, when Cribbs was back there returning punts and kicks and whatnot. Um, so hopefully he's going to be able to do some interesting things with that third unit. The Packers have also uh, named a couple more um, hires. Uh, Kevin Coger as the offensive quality control coach. Jason Rabel as an offensive assistant as well. Um, Coger has been in, uh, at the college level for the past six seasons. Um, and for the past three seasons, he was the wide receivers coach at Eastern Kentucky. Um, and then let's see here. Vrabel, he's uh this is his seventh season as an assistant coach in the NFL, and he's been with the Jets for the past two years as an offensive assistant. So, um, I'm not sure how much how many more hires uh, Lafleur is going to make. I'm sure he's about done. Um, but what do you think of his staff so far, uh, Gage, and um, these two hires in particular? Uh, I think he's been doing. I think he's been doing a great job bringing in uh, a lot of new younger blood, like. Uh, a lot, a lot of the guys that he's brought in 
are either new new names to the new names to the team or just kind of younger names. We're not seeing a lot of the uh, like recycled coaches that we see every year. Like I feel like Pat Shermer uh, has was a offensive coordinator for a new team like every year for 10 years Mm -hmm. straight and that kind of thing so I felt like he's been doing a good job of going after new young names that are kind of on the come up that are that could that can help build this team up because the Packers are trying to get younger and better um, all around Uh, that's like they've tried to embrace this youth movement a little more let uh, a lot of their older guys go like we saw Jordy leave last year Um, Randall Cobb very well might be gone this year so um, I think that he's doing a great job uh, addressing the like addressing the needs. I'm interested to see who he names as like his his second in command. I think that it should be Mike Pettin. Uh, I know he's got the respect of the offense and defense. There's a reason he's still around. So I want to see kind of who Lafleur says. You know what? This is my number two guy. Um, mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of people would think Hackett because he's the offensive coordinator, but that's I mean that's not how McCarthy did it because he had Winston Moss who was the out, who was the linebackers coach. So I'm just I'm interested to see who he kind of names as his number two, and I'm just I'm interested to see how this all of these guys get started. Um, the Packers have always had decent position coaches, and but there's a there was a lot of change this year. Like let's see, I think there was one. Two, what three? I think three coaches were kept around this year. Four, four mm-hmm. position yeah, coaches. Yeah, not very so, many. So yeah, so there's a lot of turnover, and um, that can that can either go really well, or it could uh, go really bad. So just kind of depends on how that works out for him. And it's pretty interesting. Um, I believe it is this week that Lafleur will be having a press conference where he's going to be introducing uh, most of the coaches. Um, so that will be a, a cool press conference. I don't think they're going to get uh, a ton of time to talk um, and answer questions, but who knows? Maybe he will make an announcement for who his assistant head coach will be. Um, I'm also interested to hear if Mike Pettin has any comments uh, about Mike McCarthy or if he's just going to totally um, try to avoid that at all costs um, because Mike McCarthy is the guy who brought him in, but now before is the guy who decided to keep him around. So, um, We'll see how that plays out, and uh, as well as hear from some of the other guys who we may not know too much about. Um, but what we wanted to get into that to today um, is pretty much the Antonio Antonio Brown speculation. Um, Gage, I'll let you go ahead and start off. Do you have any desire to trade for Antonio Brown, um, and why or why not? Um, well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I recently started with NFL spin zone and, uh, my first piece was that with them was three reasons why they should not trade for Antonio Brown. Um, so, uh, my, my main issues with Brown are he's like his price tag for one, which Peter Bukowski of Acme Packing Company kind of discussed on Locked on Packers last week how that couldn't wouldn't be necessarily so bad because the Steelers would likely have to play hit or pay his signing bonus which takes up a lot of his money mm-hmm. um I also don't like him alongside Devontae Adams um Adams is younger he's he's younger he's taller like that he takes up a lot of targets he took up 169 last year Antonio Brown had 168 um Brown has never really been a huge fan of being the number two guy. He's got a huge chip on his shoulder, um, and that's kind of helped what's helped him become arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. 
Um, but he doesn't like not being the guy. He wants to be the unquestioned number one. And um, I think he wants to go to an organization where they're going to bend and do whatever the heck he wants. And when you got a brand new, a brand new head coach, like Matt LaFleur doesn't need to be dealing with that kind of a distraction where if Devonte Adams goes and gets 10 catches and Brown only gets four and the targets are 14 and six is Brown going to be okay with that? Cause he's shown in the past that he's not okay with that. And we've, and this isn't a dig on Rodgers, but we've heard in the past people are like Rodgers doesn't like being called out or people feel like they can't call him out and that sort of thing. And I don't know if you saw the comments yesterday where Antonio Brown said that you can't call Roethlisberger out. He believes that he's above it and he like he can call out position coaches and he can call out everybody, but Roethlisberger can't be called out. So I think Brown, immensely talented, great player. However, He's probably he's a little older, and I think he's he, like he's because he's thirty right now. He'll be thirty-one before the season starts, and I think that the Steelers are probably going to want too much money, too much for him. I think that they're going to be holding out for an, a first-round pick, which Green Bay, yes, they have two, but I don't think they should offer either one of them up. I think at best, Antonio Brown's worth a second-round pick at the absolute best. Um, but I think that there will be another team that gets a little greedy, like say Oakland. Mm-hmm. who has three first round picks i could see them being like oh we'll take them off your hands or let's like how many because isn't there three te- or two teams with three first round picks let's see oakland's got three green bay has two does anybody else have- nobody else has multiple first round picks but it's just you're like there's no reason to give it up for that guy when you can you have other needs that are bigger than than addressing up uh, your number two wide receiver spot. You have a, one, a, in my opinion, a top five wide receiver in the game who has great chemistry with their quarterback. You have young guys getting better. You have other needs that are more important than trading for a wide receiver who may or may not, who may or may not be like a good fit for you. Right, right. And the Raiders probably do make a ton of sense just because they seem to enjoy headaches. Um, I mean, last season was a disaster under Gruden. And um, from a talent standpoint, Antonio Brown, you know, he has everything. I'm not opposed to bringing him on from a talent standpoint. It's just all the extra baggage. Um, it's the calling out his quarterback or just the the sideline antics or, or butting heads with the with the front office. It's all that that is kind, kind of deterring me and as well as fans. Um, I was I was ecstatic when I first heard he wanted out of Pittsburgh. I just thought he's a once in a lifetime talent. He's, in my opinion, the best receiver in the league. I mean, he gets so many targets, um, and he he is so productive. I think it's what uh, six straight seasons with like a thousand yards and and ten touchdowns or nearing ten touchdowns each year. I mean, he's an All Pro candidate each and every year he's going to be a hall of famer someday um it's really just not about the talent he has all the talent in the world it's just it's just he has to be the guy and that's not going to happen necessarily in green bay um he he's already complaining about targets and he gets pretty much the most targets in the league already i just don't understand uh, what he's going to be looking for. He, he's probably going to want to go to a team like the Raiders or the 49ers where he's undoubtedly the the number one receiver. Um, but in all, like, 
I I wrote a while back that I was not opposed to bringing in AB for a first-round pick just because of I thought it would be like um, when Ted Thompson went out and got Woodson, a, a generational player, this would be that chance for Gutekunst. And um, there's no denying that the offense, the Packers' offense would just be absolutely scary with the combination of Antonio Brown and um, Rodgers and Adams and whoever they draft, hopefully a tight end pretty high up um, with one of their first few picks. Uh, but I just it, it would be so unpacker like to trade for a guy like Antonio Brown who who has uh, a prima donna image, um, you know that kind of be like uh, revisiting that the the far the far years of the last few years of his career where it was a lot of waffling and just a lot of attention that the Packers usually try to shy away from. Um, so I don't I really don't know what's going to happen with Antonio Brown. Like you said, he he did answer questions on Twitter. He said, give me 10 questions. Uh, but he really only ended up answering like five questions. Uh, and he did talk about his relationship with Ben Roethlisberger said big Ben had pretty much like an owner's mentality. Um, and that, you know, he, 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 he commands a lot of respect, but he doesn't necessarily give a lot of respect to other people. Um, so I think Antonio Brown is kind of, um, deterred by that he's kind of I don't know salty about um, his relationship with Tomlin um, him and Big Ben seem to get along really well and uh, it's it's really hard to kind of predict how he would get along with Rodgers because as you mentioned Rodgers has his own way of doing things and he's the alpha in the locker room and um, I don't know if Antonio Brown can really fit in with the culture in Green Bay but then again, he's out on Twitter liking a bunch of tweets that, you know, speculate him coming to the Packers. So what what do you kind of make of that, uh, Gage? And how do you think him and Rodgers would get along? Um, I honestly, I, I don't, I honestly don't think they would get along. I think that kind of like you mentioned, like he's kind of a prima donna and Rodgers is similar to that everyone calls Rodgers a prima donna which not necessarily a hundred percent accurate but it's it kind of makes sense Rodgers wants things to be done his way and while he would love to play with another great player Devante's his guy I that's like that's his guy that he goes to when things are when they need a they need a play they need a first down he goes to him he doesn't want he doesn't want to throw to anybody else now that's kind of because he doesn't have anyone else to throw to but like the the Packers just they there's much I think there's more important needs than a number two wide receiver and there's and I think that there's there's ways to get players that can fill that number two role better than Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown would make the Packers offense absolutely terrifying. Don't get me wrong, would be absolutely terrifying because he's He's lightning fast. He his route running is some of the best that we've seen. Although Devontae Adams also has really good route running and really good footwork. So it's just it's just a matter of is like do, do you think that it's worth it? I definitely don't think he's worth a first round pick. I just I simply don't. The guy the guy doesn't want to be in Pittsburgh. He will. I know that he would sit out the year just like Le'Veon Bell did because I know he's got more than enough money to do that. So. He, so it's. I think that he. 
if he doesn't get traded, I think he'll sit out. I also think that there are other teams that can beat the Packers in a bidding war, similar to the Khalil Mack sweepstakes last year when Green Bay lost to Chicago because Chicago had more to offer. So if now if they call Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's like, okay, we'll take just your second round pick, I think they have to strongly consider it because I think the AB is automatically better than any player they're going to get in the second round, like at least guaranteed wise, there are players that could turn out better, but we, there's no guarantee of that Whereas with AB, you know what he's going to get. And um, you could get him for a year. And if he doesn't want to be there or it doesn't work out, you can trade him. He's still on a tradable deal. So I'm personally, I'm opposed to it. I just, I don't like the fit and I don't think that he works well in the, in the green Bay environment just because the culture that they've kind of built there. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be not huge fans of this because we need more playmakers. Rodgers needs more weapons, this and that. But that's just not how I think. I think that you need to build your complete team. And look how, look at um, Indianapolis for a perfect example. They built, they have a great quarterback. They built an amazing offensive line to protect him. Their number one receivers, T.Y. Hilton, who T.Y. Hilton's great. Their number two receiver last year was Ryan Grant or Dontrell Inman, depending on the week. And then they had great tight end play. So they built, they built their team the right way, and they're going to be a really good team for a long time. AB makes you good for, a couple, for two years max, whereas you can go out and draft a guy in the second round like Irv Smith out of Alabama who can be your great tight end for 10 years. So it's just, it's just how you pl- want to build the roster. If you're... If you think that the title window with Rodgers is closing in the next two years, do it. Make the trade. Go for it. But if you think that you have another five years out of Rodgers, don't make that trade. It's not worth it. Right, right. And it it, it would be entirely too much money dedicated to uh, just a few players. I mean, Rodgers is already the $134 million man. Um, and it doesn't seem like AB can can be a part of a team where the, there's already established stars. I mean, there's Adams and Rodgers, and then we have guys like Aaron Jones who are uh, uh, emerging in their own right. And and now the Packers are, are they just need to move away from that drama. I mean, um, 2018 was was full of drama, and that's it was very unpacker like, and. Um, I agree with you. I really don't think the Steelers have much leverage anymore to get a first round pick. Maybe starting out, um, you know, right when the year ended, they maybe had a little more leverage. But once the player comes out and just demands that trade altogether, um, they they really have to kind of take what they can get. They can go ahead and, and put out feelers and, and, and kind of leak things of what they're looking for. Um, but I really doubt that they will get a first rounder for AB, um, even though he might be worth that. He probably does have uh, four years of, of high level uh, ball left in him. Um, but I kind of agree with you. If, if he can be had for a second rounder, um, it would be hard not to consider it. Uh, the Packers, you know, they, they need more playmakers. The offense struggled mightily in 2018. The inexperience from the young receivers held them back. They didn't have a, a great production from the tight end position. Um, but then again, we, we look at their draft. I mean, three picks in the top 44, um, that's a, a great 
deal of capital to try and hit a home run and, and, and get some significant uh, turn back in a short amount of time. Um, so it really will be interesting to see if Gutekunst, uh, how he, he views Rogers window, whether it's closing rapidly or he feels like he has some time. Um, because a lot of people kind of speculate that the Packers aren't really trying to, uh, be a contender in 2019. They're probably trying to build for something in 2020, um, which I could definitely see. Um, but it's all going to depend on free agency and this year's draft. Um, Gage, earlier you did mention um, that you uh, you have been looking at some draft prospects, and that's awesome that you're in you're in Indy. That would be uh, really awesome if you went to the combine um, last week. I kind of talked about a few players I liked for the Packers in the first round: um, Montez Sweat, uh, Jack A. Polite, Brian Burns, um, and then T.J. Hawkinson. And I also touched on Irv Smith. At, uh, who could be off the board at 30 or maybe 44 um, if the Packers get lucky. Who are your uh, favorite targets so far for the first round um, with those two picks? Um, at number 12, uh, a guy I've been really interested in, especially the last uh, week or so, is Cleland Farrell out of Clemson. Um, he's just – he he's such he's such a good player and he's such a technically sound player. And I love that a lot. Um, I felt that Green Bay uh, has can sometimes focus on just trying to hit home runs um, when there's nothing wrong with a double. Uh, just getting on base is always a good thing. Uh, Cleveland Farrell is the definition of that. The guy, four-year starter at Clemson, two-time national champion. He's been to three championship games. He's a st- super stout guy against the run. He's got a ton of power. He never takes a playoff. Um, and I also love his t- his team first mentality. Um, every time you'd see him, every time a play was done, whether he made the tackle or somebody else did, he got up and he was patting his teammate on the back. He was hyping him up because that's what it's all about. Is he, he knows that at the end of the day, it's about the team doing well. Um, and he he's kind of a defensive end type. A lot of people have kind of pegged him as four a four three defensive end. But I'm of the mindset that when there's a good player on the board, you go get him and you build your scheme around him. You don't build. You don't always have to force a player, especially a guy that's got the talent that Farrell does. Like I like Polite. Polite's big a big flash guy. Um, he's got a lot of a lot of athleticism, a lot of talent. But he's also his motor is super inconsistent, and he can take off too many plays. I've seen him get blown off the ball by wide receivers that are half his size, and you just can't have that happen. Um, another guy, uh, Cody Ford, if he's still on the board at 12, I think they got to look hard at him. Um, I think he could play guard for the for a year and then kick out to right tackle if they keep Bulaga, or they could, or vice versa, they could kick Bulaga into guard and have Cody Ford play at tackle. He's a mammoth of a dude. Um, he moves really well for his size. Um, and then that kind of gives you your bookends there uh, on the offensive line. Um, and then at 30, I've been interested. I like TJ Hawkinson if he's still there at 30. If he if not, I'm more than I'm okay with waiting a little longer. Tight ends are really deep class. You got guys like Irv Smith. Uh, you got Jay Sternberger. Um, you got Isaac Nauta out of Georgia. There's a lot of good tight ends in this class. Um, Nasir Adderley, if he's still on the board, um, Packers, obviously we've discussed it on this podcast many times, and I'm sure both of us have written about it before about how safety was arguably the worst position group for the Green Bay last year. Mm-hmm. 
So, and he, so if he's on the board, he's the most complete safety. Uh, Deontay Thompson out of Alabama's uh, interesting prospect, but he's a little inconsistent, had a, kind of a down year last year. So just there's a, this draft has a lot of top end talent. And with those three top 50 picks, the Packers have a great chance to be so much better next year. Um, just, it's a crazy, like they could, they could even go after a wide receiver. I'll be having a piece on that probably come out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. about they could go after a wide receiver. Like if they don't want to go after, um, if they don't want to go after one of the top, like, uh, like one of the late round guys or free agency or whatever, they could go after DK Metcalf, um, Nikhil Harry. There's, there's a lot of good wide receivers in this class. One guy, I just had an article come out about um, Hunter Renfro. Do you know him? Right. Yeah. The Clemson slide guy. Yeah. He's yeah. I, I, great, great player catches everything thrown his direction he's he's got he can fit right in in the slot and I, and I like him as a day three guy like maybe in the fifth or sixth round mm-hmm. I think he could honestly start from day one he's he's not the most explosive guy he's not the he's not the best player of best player in the draft but he has the potential to stick around for 10 15 years because that's what slot wide receivers do we've seen Julian Edelman Wes Welker all those guys have great careers without ever being top like without ever being considered a top guy just because they're such smart football players and that's what Renfro is. So I think that there's with the draft capital, the Packers have, they have a potential to add multiple starters on both sides of the ball. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) It's a great position that they're in. Um, And it'll be really interesting to see how they prioritize those three picks in particular. I mean, I mean, I I have no idea what combination they're going to go with. Offense, defense, defense, defense. I think one of those first-rounders has got to be dedicated to the defense. Um, But I don't know if it'll be a safety or an edge guy or even inside linebacker. I mean, I believe it was Todd McShay, who I touched on in my podcast, who had Devin White going to the Packers. Um, But, you know, that's not necessarily their biggest need. It's probably pass rush, so... Either that 12th pick or that 30th pick will have to be go to the pass rush in my mind. And now I, I got wish- one quick question for mm-hmm. you. So oh, I've and I've had this discussion with a number of people. A lot of people seem to like keep mocking White, and even I, I wrote a piece a couple weeks ago about the Packers possibly going with White if he's still on the board. But mm-hmm. it, am I crazy to think they don't really need a linebacker? Like they have Blake Martinez, who's still young, and yeah, he's going into the final year of his contract, but they can easily re-sign him next year. And then they have Oren Burks and Josh Jones and Antonio Morrison to play the other linebacker spot. There's a lot of athleticism. There's athleticism with two of those guys. There's run stuffers with the other two, and even Martinez was one of the better pass coverage linebackers in the NFL last year. Why do they need to go spend a first-round pick? They've never valued inside linebackers that highly anyway. The la- I'm pretty sure the last time they selected an inside linebacker anywhere above round three or four was A.J. Hawk in 2005. I guess I've kind of touched on this in the past. It's just I love Blake Martinez. I think he's solid. And Oren Burks, we still don't know what we have in him. He can be. He's a tremendous athlete, but... He um, really didn't show much in his rookie season, but you can't really hold that against him. That was his second year playing linebacker. Like that right. was like because he switched to that his final year in college, and then that was his second year playing linebacker. So, right. My thing is that I just 
I, I need I, I would like to see more from that inside linebacker position. I don't think teams are game planning to take Blake Martinez away enough. He he is good in pass coverage. He's solid. He's good against the run. He doesn't miss a ton of tackles. He does miss some tackles um, against shiftier uh, backs. And um, he's not the most athletic guy, uh, but he is a solid athlete. I just my comparison was I, I love looking at guys like. LVE and Jalen Smith over in Dallas, and then we have Deion Jones over in in Atlanta. Those guys, um, I get envious of guys like that who are who are land sharks and they're super explosive athletes, and and teams really have to account for them each and every Sunday, um, and they have to somehow game plan and take them and limit their impact. And I just don't think Blake Martinez brings that. Uh, to the Packers defense maybe you disagree but that's just how I feel no I and I completely understand that I don't think that Martinez is a world beater I don't think he's Luke Keekly light or anything like that I just I don't think that inside linebacker is as big of a need as some people who are big like white is white's good I've watched a little bit of film on him um, he does like he does a lot of stuff right however he does have to work on his tackling a lot which I guess that could make like that could make a lot of sense if you pair him with a guy like Martinez who doesn't miss a whole lot of tackles other than those shifty guys so they could kind of help each other out on that but I just I don't think that inside linebacker is as big of a need to invest a first round pick when you have needs like safety edge rusher, offensive line and all that stuff that you can cover in the first round where and you can get inside linebacker later through free agency or uh, hope for development from these younger guys because I think that with Mart if you run out the rotation of Martinez Morrison Burks and Jones I think that you can get by for at least one more year and it's not going to be like you're going to get annihilated up the middle uh, yeah, I agree with that. And then we have great, great defensive line play as well. And and the fact of the matter is the Packers play two line, two inside linebackers on the field for, what, 30% of the plays on defense? If I'm that. It, yeah, if that. So basically if they're drafting a guy like White or let's say Devin Bush, I do like Devin Bush a lot out of Michigan, um, we're basically assuming he's going to be the starter and it's going to be really hard for one of those guys to beat out Blake Martinez and keep him off the field. So it, I do have a tough time seeing it, but then again, it is exciting to kind of think about, um, you know, a franchise linebacker who could someday be a, a pro bowler or even an all pro. And I understand that. Um, I just know like green Bay has never really been known for their, their linebacker play. That's something right. just, like so, so I think. But I mean, Grant, there's still a ton of time to go. We could have, we could see some guy become a combine warrior and climb up draft boards, causing other guys to slide down. Um, we've seen DK Metcalf, which I don't know if you saw that DK Metcalf picture, but that dude is a freak of nature. Yeah, did you he see is. how big he is? He's Calvin Johnson, volume two, probably even a little bigger. He's definitely, he may not be like, like Calvin Johnson, I'm pretty sure was taller, but he's so big. Metcalf is just super, super big, super big yeah. dude. He looks like an outside linebacker, honestly. He he does. He's now, I, now he's, oh man, he's scary. I'm watching a clip of him right now. He's, he's just such a scary dude that it'd be hilarious if like he's on the board at 30 and Green Bay pairs him with, uh, 
Devontae Adams like say says just screw the slot position. We're just gonna add another big guy outside and be like, we dare you to stop one of them because we know you don't have two corners that can cover six four and six three. Yeah, it it would be very hard for someone to match up with that. I just um there is some risk uh, associated with Metcalf. He's not the fastest guy, he's not the most polished route runner. Um he had decent production in college, uh, but not a ton. I think it'll his stock is really going to depend on his 40 time. Um, if he can run a four or five, uh, a low four or five, he might be a top 20 pick. So he might, he may not even be there for the Packers at 30 and I wouldn't probably take him at 12 either. It'll just kind of depend on, um, how other teams value receivers this year. Cause I think receivers are pretty deep as well. Yeah. Receiver is really deep. Um, I, and I wouldn't take him at 12 either. I'd have to take him at 30. Um, but also one thing about him, like, so you mentioned that he didn't have particularly elite production. There was that, that he had a teammate who was also pretty damn good. Uh, what was it? Uh, AJ Brown, mm-hmm. AJ Brown was, a, was another elite guy, six one two twenty five, So a couple inches shorter than Metcalf. He's just, just a big dude. They just, they had big dudes and they were like, well, stop one of them. We dare you. And most of the time people took Metcalf. Right, right, yeah, and it's extremely difficult to game plan for a, a college team with two physically imposing receivers like that, and uh, Brown's a good player in his own right, and then Metcalf is just an, uh, a, a, a Greek god uh, from a physical standpoint. I mean, chiseled out of stone. Um, he's going to raise some eyebrows at the combine for sure. Are there any players you want to, you're hoping for that have a good combine before we wrap this up gauge? Or, um, um, you know, I think that we can go ahead and get into some combine stuff on next week sh- or on the next show. Um, I think that we got, cause I'm going to do more film study this week mm-hmm. and just kind of look at some guys. Uh, I've been, uh, I'm really interested to see how, um, Montez sweat does at the combine. I know he's a little, he's a little on the lighter side, um, and I'd like to see, so I'd like, but I've heard people saying he's, uh, been putting on a little bit of weight. So I'd like to see him kind of still demonstrate his athleticism because he's very athletic, but I want to see him be athletic and be a little bigger. I think cause he was playing at like two thirty five, but I'm wanting to see him at like two fifty, that two fifty range, but mm-hmm. still showing off some good athleticism. And so if he can do that, I think that he'll boost his stock tremendously, which would also make it a little difficult for green Bay to get him at 30, but so, but I think that um, this draft, uh, Green Bay has a chance to just like I mentioned earlier, has a big or a very good chance to get um, a lot of impact players on all three days of the draft. Absolutely, and I'm really excited about it. We're going to have a ton of draft coverage coming in the next couple of weeks, and as well as free agency, which is rapidly approaching. Um, I don't know off the top of my head the exact combine start date but i know it's typically at the end of february into the first week of march so um we'll get another show out uh very soon about the combine um as it approaches but we appreciate all you listeners thank you for tuning in to dairyland talk we will be back uh again shortly take care